This is the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from pregame.com for March 31st, a special Final Four edition. I'm your host, RJ Bell, and we're broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Each week we talk about upcoming games and teach you how to handicap any game. I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo, bringing 29 years and ready to tick the 30 years of handicapping expertise to the table. And Vegas Runner, a genuine Las Vegas professional batter who lives on his winnings. Okay, it's Final Four time. We're not going to be messing around. Segment number one, we're going to break down the first game, Michigan State-UConn. Segment number two, we're going to break down in depth, Villanova, North Carolina. Segment three, we go straight into our free picks. And clearly there's been some hot streaks, and, and Vegas Runner's been killing them on the fight game. So we'll see if we get a, a free pick from Vegas Runner in the fight game. First up, though, Final Four, Michigan State-UConn. Marco, thoughts? Well, obviously, one of the biggest surprises for the Final Four, I've got to say, is Michigan State getting to the Final Four. Uh, They've done it uh, Sunday against Louisville, incredible game for them. They took the tempo away from uh, Louisville, and we talked so much, and if you listen to our How to Handicap uh, podcast about tempo, how important it is, and the team that can control the tempo and take another team out of their game, uh, can you know dominate and win the game, and they they did that on Sunday. And Michigan State's going to be playing in final uh, at Ford Field for the Final Four, which is right in their home territory. Okay, so we're going to be talking a lot about the uh, home field and what an, um, home crowd advantage and what it might mean. But let me ask you a question: As I've been listening to the experts, Marco, talk about Louisville, they always said when they're playing their best. This is the best team, but they have a propensity towards having down games. Do you think they had a down game, or was it Michigan State played so well? Well, I think Michigan State played really well. Uh, there's no question that Louisville's game on Friday night was, you know, incredible. Um, it was a perfect game, and sometimes we use a phrase in horse racing uh, when a horse has a great race that they have a top peak effort. Uh, sharp players will say they'll bounce in their next effort. And uh, that's almost what it looked like with Louisville, that they bounced in their next game because they they didn't play at the same level. But I think a lot of that came from Michigan State frustrating them with the slower tempo. Okay, so – and you were starting to talk about home field or, or home crowd, so you want to jump or continue with that? Well, definitely. I mean, you're playing this game at Ford Field in uh, Detroit – one thing that I'm going to say before we get into the crowd factor, because obviously this Final Four is going to favor Michigan State with the crowd, but you're playing this game in a football stadium, not a basketball stadium. And one thing that you got to look at when you have a venue this big, the depth perception for the players in that first game when they're shooting in an arena like this, it's totally different than in a normal basketball arena. I mean, you're the sight vision, everything else, uh, you know, it's almost hollow to a degree. It's so big. 
when they set up a, you know, a basketball court on there. And one thing you want to look at is teams that maybe rely, you know, obviously they're out of it, but a team like Duke would have really been in trouble that relies so much on the outside shot because if you come out cold to start a game where, you know, because you got to adjust to the rims and the, and the, the sight angles and everything, uh, you know, a team that's got a good inside game, that's going to be strong. Okay, so let's take a minute and talk about that. Based upon that assumption in Vegas, Runner, if you want to jump in, who has the better inside game, Michigan State or UConn? Well, when I broke started breaking this game down, I really think these two teams are extremely evenly matched. As far as uh, height-wise, you got to give the edge to Connecticut. They're a little longer, and uh, with the beat underneath, you got to give him the edge. Uh, although Michigan State's defense, I believe, as a whole, as a unit, is a little bit stronger than Connecticut, but it's that Connecticut offense that's stronger than Michigan State. What shocked me most was when I saw this number. I really expected it to come out shorter than it is, uh, beings that Michigan State's pretty much playing a home game. Okay, so that's that's the question I had written down, is with your power rankings, if this was on a true neutral Vegas runner, what would the line have been on U- this game? UConn three and a half. So you're you're saying that the now and and to touch on the number here, which we should have done to start, UConn is now minus four over and under one thirty three and a half. You're saying on a true neutral, this is UConn three and a half. And then what are you allotting, or what do you think the odds makers are allotting for the home crowd advantage? I, I don't think they've put enough. They've really looked into put enough points into it. I think the. Uh, perception so far from the sports books that I've spoken to is that this is an easy game for UConn to cover. That's where the money's coming in, thinking that, you know, people aren't even looking at the home crowd advantage for Michigan State and instead are looking at it as UConn's four points better than this team. Well, well, let me ask you, it could be two things. The number's four. It could be that they believe the number on a true neutral was two and they added about two for the home. Um Oh, excuse me, check that. It'd be the opposite, which is maybe what they're saying is the the number should be six for UConn and it's four because they're adjusting about two points. Or is it that they believe the number on a true neutral should be four and they're not adjusting it at all? Which one do you think it is? I believe they're not adjusting it at all because if you look at LVSC's power numbers when the tournament first started, if you would have put this game up, they would have made them about a three-point favorite, UConn only. So now to bring the UConn out at four with Michigan State having the home field edge, I think they haven't put in enough home edge at all. Uh, I mean, this is the one team that scared me most, to tell you the truth. I'm not shocked with Michigan State being here. They're the hottest team playing. I mean, they've won nine of their last ten. They've covered seven of their last ten. They had a toughest schedule of the remaining teams, believe it or not. Their schedule was even tougher than UConn, who plays in the Big East. They... uh biggest downside for Michigan State is their youth. Although they do have that big center, they depend on, you know, Sutton, who's a senior, got 19 points for them against Louisville. More times than not, the hands, the ball's in the hands of a sophomore. Now, one of the concepts we've been touching on in the podcast, remember, you can check out all of our podcasts, both prior editions of the Sports Betting Preview and some of our How to Handicap series, where we actually talk theory and concept, go to pregamepodcast.com. But one of the things we've talked about is that since most elite college basketball players only play a year or two, that the learning curve during a whole season is a huge chunk of their career. I mean, think about it. If a kid only plays one year, 
the, the second half of the season is 50% of his career. So uh, it seems to me that when you get late in the season, I think Kansas might have fallen into this category, a younger team is not, not at near the disadvantage they were early in the season because of the length of the season and what percentage of the entire career of these kids it represents. Do you agree with that, Vegas? A hundred percent. Absolutely. It's at, now where we're at, these sophomores are actually juniors and the freshmen are now sophomores. So I agree with you 100% there. Now, Marco, how much of this line, and, and let's just assume for the sake of argument that, that VR is right, that this number is a little inflated right here is, how much of that is just a general disregard the Big Ten has with batters? Well, I think the line's where it should be. I, I disagree with the VR a little bit in the public perception. I think coming into this tournament, um, Connecticut, you know, because of the end of the year and then they took the early exit out of the Big East and that, that Connecticut wasn't as highly regarded as they were earlier in the season. Um, in all of their games with the, you know, they struggled against um, Missouri on Saturday. That game, you know, could have went either way. I mean, they had to lead the entire game, but Missouri was there from start to finish with them. And I think coming into this game right now, public perception is more on Michigan State because of what they're doing and the way they manhandled what was the top seed, Louisville. Now, what's interesting is now is you look at this Michigan State team, I mean, they've come out of nowhere if you consider the beginning of the year as expectations. Um, the odds at the beginning of the year would have been about 40 to 1 against them winning it. So this was a team that was not expected to do very well, and, and now they're, they're clearly in the Final Four. Youth, uh, the Vegas runner brings up, might be a key element of, the, of those low expectations at the beginning. Now, Vegas Runner, you actually have a uh, future bet on UConn that we talked about last week. Um, tell us a little bit about that real quick because uh, for repeat listeners, they might remember. And uh, and what are you going to do with hedging? That's something we have all we always talk about with futures. Well, I have 30 units pending on UConn winning the national championship. Okay, so you risked one unit? Uh, one and a half. All right, and then you had, what, 20 to 20 1? 20 to 1 odds, yes. You see that quick math I just You're did? You're the man. <laughs> you, you didn't even hear the calculator At buttons all. I up, did you? I couldn't even see it. The Casio watch. But uh, <laughs> and, and, all joking aside, uh, yeah, I have 30 units pending on UConn. I hedged against Missouri a little bit because I, I just didn't want to have such a good future and not make any money on it. I mean, it, it just the thought of it would have been made me extremely emotional and I just couldn't have that at this juncture of the season and that brings up a great point and sorry to jump in but is we had a long discussion on a prior podcast about hedging and one of the things you said in general you don't like to hedge it, it doesn't feel like the gambling that you like to do but there is a distinction even if you're disinclined to hedge because I'm disinclined to hedge because every time you make a bet you're giving up juice. You're getting charged a commission to make a bet. And if I like that team, unless there's a reason I don't like them now, I don't want to put any more commission into play. One of the reasons I will, though, is one, is if I don't like the team in a given situation for whatever reason. But number two is if it's such an amount of money that emotionally I'd have trouble not cashing something then that's another time to hedge. And, and that's the exact reason I did with Oklahoma as well in North Carolina when they played North Carolina. Oh, deep inside, I didn't think Oklahoma was going to win the national championship. But the bottom line was I had 50 units there on the table, and there was no way of making that kind of prediction back in October that I wasn't going to 
profit from it and have my clients profit from it as well. So I said, let's go ahead. Let's hedge five units on North Carolina and, you know, extract some money, some and free th- money. I think the way you're thinking about the, the payoff in units is the perfect way to think about it. Let's just say for the sake of argument, you risk one unit to win 50. Now you have 50 units potentially to win. And let's say there's three games left. In theory, you could bet 10 units on each of the three games. And then, uh, and again, you'd only have to bet it if the team kept uh, moving forward in that case. And then in theory, if you lose the first game, you win nine units. You win 10 on the hedge and one against uh, because you risk the one to start the season. If it's the second game, you're going to end up winning. Um, uh, so how would, let's think about that math. You would lose the 10 units and then you'd have to hedge more the next game. To come out so, ahead. So you can do the math and say, what payoff do I want here? And, and then figure it out by the number of games left. Now, you better have a real long shot to hatch three games out like you did with Oklahoma, which what was the number on that? I, was had, I had um, at uh, 50 to 1 for a unit. So. Now, one of, the, um, one of the things that I do sometimes if I do hedge is I just hedge enough that I break even if my future doesn't come in. So psychologically, I'm thinking I don't lose anything. I'm on a free roll. And, and I think that's a viable approach. The free rolls, uh, the point that I want to make in the situation that he has with Connecticut, where they're going to be a favorite just about in every game. It's an absolute free roll because he can hedge his bet on the dog where he can still actually win both bets. And we almost did with Missouri by one point, Missouri losing that game by seven and we were getting plus six on the hedge. So, I mean, we were very close a layup away from hitting our hedge and still having that 30 units in play. I think it's an absolute for anybody out there that has a hedge bet that whenever you're in a situation that you do have the favorite and you're playing a team that's laying, you know, a a decent number, you always got to take the, you know, the dog plus the points and, you know, you can end up with both wins and and that's, you know, long-term expectations. So I, I don't think the way to say it is always take it is, but you're saying if you decide to do some sort of hedge that the idea of doing it on the point spread where you could actually catch a middle is appealing to you. Now, the other way to do it potentially would be to actually hedge on the money line, and then that's because you have the dog hedging. You don't have to uh, risk as much money. Right, but you can only win one bet. And I have to agree with RJ there. For myself, because I bet a lot of futures, it, and I handicap the games, it has to come down with how, to how I feel about it. I mean, I, I've had more units on the table in futures than I do in this, at this particular time where I didn't hedge because I felt I was still getting so much the best of it. It just didn't make sense. Well, when you think about it, once you get down to the final game of a future, it's almost as if you have that bet already made is I can win 50 units if Team A wins this game. Now, am I comfortable risking 50 units? If not, that's when you hatch. I couldn't have put it better. And the key with futures is never look back and say what it could have, should have. It'll kill you. You know, that's the key. And actually, in the forums, there was a real good discussion. It was actually a post that got a uh, gold star today, and we're taping on Tuesday, talking about the psychology of betting. And it was by Slammer, um, and uh, it's, it's really worth checking out. You go to pregame.com and click forums or go to pregameforums.com. Now, before we move on, speaking of free rolls, you guys had a couple of bets going on. So, so Marco, you want to recap how the bets ended up? Well, the bets ended up, uh, I won the first bet on uh, Friday night when uh, Duke didn't advance to Did the Did you Elite ever? Eight. And uh, so we cashed, uh, we cashed out. So I was online for a free, uh, free dinner from a Vegas runner. 
But then on Saturday, uh, when I lost the heartbreaker with Pitt and Connecticut won their game to advance to the Final Four, uh, Vegas Runner won our second bet, which was who was going to go farther, Pitt or Connecticut. So it's actually a wash, and you know I think the bets are done. Now that's an interesting point because if as people get to know Marco, uh, you would know for sure that Marco's thinking was, "Wow, it's a wash. There's no bets to be made or payoffs to be made." But in truth, there are two bets that were made and two bets that need paid off. And luckily, I'm going to be involved in both of those as the dinners happen is I'll be there to make sure as an an official representative of pregame.com to make sure that the bets are properly paid off. He always gets it. He gets the best of it all the time. Uh, free meal. Now, just to give you a little more insight, Marco actually has a post up at Pregame Blogs, uh, pregameblogs.com or pregame.com, click blogs. And he talks about we were down the Bellagio Saturday night, and he actually was having a winning um, day at 2-5. And I actually was playing uh, some five ten, which I just recently stepped up to and was having a losing day. And our rule between us is when we eat dinner, whoever's up the most or down the least pays for dinner. But somehow, even though that's our rule, Marco tried to say, oh, well, maybe this dinner can be my payoff to your, your, your dinner. So he's always looking for a way to shriek his responsibilities when it comes to buying me meals. In general, he's as honest as they come. But when it comes to the meals, that's a little different thing. Unfortunately so. for uh, RJ, didn't mention that. The, the deal was on poker. I, uh, he's going by. But do we do the entire day of who's down? Because unfortunately, I lost a big play on Saturday with Pitt and I uh, wagered rather heavily, so I was down the most for the day. Well, that, I mean, in general, if, it, if that was the case, is I'd be buying every dinner, it seems like. But I, <laughs> wow. That's not true. That's not just teasing. Okay, so um, a lot of fun stuff here to kind of bring the, the, the uh, conversation back around. What haven't we talked about that matters? Michigan State-UConn. To me... I think Connecticut wants to play up-tempo. If they get into the half-court game with uh, Michigan State, you know, Michigan State's in their, you know, their home surroundings, crowd-wise, I should say, and you want to get them out of the comfort zone. If you play a slow game, Michigan State's going to hang with you all day long. They'll be like an ant at a picnic. You, you know, you keep fly, you swat them away, they keep coming back. Connecticut's going to want to get out in transition. That's what I see, and if they're able to do that, I think they've got a good chance of advancing to the championship game on Monday. So, Vegas Runner, is this a game that, as we've talked about in the past, a correlated parlay might be of interest? Meaning, if you like Michigan State, play Michigan State in the under because chances are if they're able to cover, they're going to go under. If you like UConn, play UConn in the over. Is that a viable approach? I think the UConn and the over is, the Michigan State and the under isn't. Because I think Izzo can play both styles of ball and he's shown that this season by scoring near 80 points on a lot of occasions even in the Big Ten now with Connecticut you're going to get if Connecticut covers more times than not unless Michigan State shoots 25 percent from the field you're going to get an over look at Connecticut the last five games only once they scored 72 points the rest were 80s 90s and 100s so you know for their last five They've gone over the total. While with Michigan State, that's just not the case. You look at their last six games, three overs, three unders. You know, some of them games they put in the high 70s, the other in the low 60s. Now, do you think a distinction might be that when Michigan State is physically the better team, which in the early rounds they were, they can run, 
against UConn, they better not run because they're physically not the better team. I agree. The more athletic team is definitely UConn in this matchup for sure. And I think Izzo sharp enough to know that. And I th- this is why the the Final Four is so intriguing because coaching comes into play. They have a whole week to prepare. So, you know, now we're going to see which coaches step it up a notch. I talked to a professional here in town that was saying that he felt like the Izzo's coaching was the difference maker in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight rounds for Michigan State. Oh, yeah. He, he showed uh, Patino's teacher-student right there. He, he was in the back seat in that game the whole time. Izzo just out, outmaneuvered him throughout the game, I believe. One last point to note. Ten of the last 11 games for Connecticut – They've held their opponents to 42% or less from the floor. That's pretty impressive defense. Oh, they, they're they athletic and they're long. They play great D. I mean, when you're that long as they are and you got the beat in the middle, you know, you're going to play some D. Well, you can't forget, except for about a two-week period that they fell out of favor, UConn was considered to be the second-best team behind North Carolina the whole year. Exactly. And like you said, until they lost twice to Pitt within a month and then got knocked out by Syracuse in that overtime game, Connecticut was the number one team in the nation. One thing I'd be interested in, and, and one of the things we do in the forums is try to help each other and, and collectively work together, is I'd be interested in doing some research on the games played at Ford Field, basketball games, in the last 10 years. If I remember correctly, uh, actually Michigan State played there this year against North Carolina, I think. Um, I know they had a big game this year there. I think it was North Carolina. And then I know there was a Final Four here a while back. So maybe a little project we can do in the forums, and any listeners that want to take this on would be awesome. Go to pregameforums.com and give us the, the games and, and what the scoring was, what the shooting percentage was, and we can try to quantify what the Ford Field effect is going to be for this game. That's an excellent point. I, I'm interested to see the, the results of that. Okay, great discussion. We're going to be back with segment number two where we're going to break down the second game of the Final Four. This is RJ Bell, founder of Pregame.com, here to tell you about our free $25 offer for new members. That's right, join Pregame.com for free and you get $25 to spend any way you want. No purchase or obligation required. For $25, you can get just about any best bet you want. This is a no-lose deal. Sign-up takes less than 60 seconds. Visit pregame.com backslash join. That's pregame.com backslash J-O-I-N and get your free $25 before it's too late. And we're back. Sports Betting Preview Podcast from pregame.com. Special Final Four Edition. Segment two of three. Okay. We got Villanova, North Carolina. North Carolina, seven and a half. Now, actually, it opened at seven and a half, and many spots are at seven. Remember, you can always find the opening number and the best line at pregamelines.com, or you go to pregame.com and click lines and odds. And now there's a number of shops down to about seven. So it looks like the early money's on Villanova. Vegas Runner. I was once again surprised when I saw this line, and again, I really thought it was shorter than it should have been. I brought my number out at at North Carolina minus eight and a half, and this is coming from a guy who's a Villanova fan, born and raised back there, so, uh, you know, that's unbiased as it comes, and I had to adjust Villanova a little bit, but not as much as I think others are doing. And uh, to me, I think this line came out a a little shorter than it really should have. And I'm a little surprised that the early money is coming in on Villanova. Okay, now, 
to me, an interesting question to ask here is, if we assume the Villanova had a huge advantage in the first two rounds because of the home court, and then we assume, and I think this is a valid assumption, though not an absolute assumption, that Duke was just not a great team. And, and Vegas Runner, I know you really like Duke, had a big, big play on him. What has Villanova done that right now makes them a better team than they were starting the tournament? Because clearly this number is a little bit lower than it would be at the if it was a first-round matchup. How, am I missing something, or has this Villanova team proven anything to us? Not to me. They beat up a Pitt team that I really had out of my brackets in the Elite Eight because I, di- I didn't think Pitt was built to win a tournament. I mean, Pitt certainly hasn't played well in any or didn't play well in any of these games. Uh, and Marco had a big play on Pitt against Villanova. So, I mean, what's your thoughts on this Villanova? In fact, if you think about it, Duke was a huge play from Vegas Runner, and Villanova uh, hurt that or be, you know caused that to lose. Pitt was a huge play for Marco. Villanova caused that to lose. What are we thinking of this Villanova team, other than we don't like them? Well, I'm going to say, we're going to take a pause <laughs> on the podcast as me and VR up. take RJ out back and uh, beat the crap out of him for reminding us about our two big losses. Well, that's but, what we do here. Hey, we're not afraid to talk about winners, though. So. But uh, honestly, the, the Villanova team, they're the now team. You know, in every year, there's one team that I think the public embraces. And Saturday, when I was at the Bellagio watching the game, you know, there's always cheers with every bucket, but it seemed to me that the crowd was like 65, 70% more excited every time Villanova scored a bucket in that pit game. They're embracing this team. And why not? They're winning. They're, you know, they blew out their first two opponents. I mean, they dismantled UCLA. And I know that VR and myself, neither one of us thought UCLA was that good this year, but they gave them a beating. And they're scoring points. They're scoring in the 80s. And they're doing everything right. So there's no reason not to like them. North Carolina has been there all year. They're doing what they're supposed to do. But this is a lot of points. And the public's going to embrace the dog. Okay, so it sounds like we're saying two different things. Is On one hand... Vegas Runner saying he thinks his number's short. On the other hand, you're saying it's a lot of points. It, are you saying it's a lot of points as in objectively seven, seven and a half is a big number? Or do you think it's a lot of points considering this Villanova team? I think it's a lot of points considering Villanova, what they've done in this tournament and why the public likes them. It's they're not winning people didn't like Pitt because they won ugly. They were winning those sixty, you know, scoring sixty and winning by a couple. Villanova's scoring in the eighties and blowing people out. And they scored seventy seven against Duke and seventy eight against a very good defensive Pitt team. Okay. So actually, um, in between segments, Vegas Runner was telling us that in, his, in the forums he's been posting a little bit about a longtime friend of his, and we call him Bookie Bill. His first name is Bill, and he's actually an off, uh, offshore bookie. And uh, you were telling us about his his take on this Connecticut game. Vegas Runner, do you want to share that? Because you know, clearly now we're talking about the action, the early action on North Carolina. So maybe tell us, one, how's the action coming in uh, on the ground with Bookie Bill with UConn? And then how's the action on this North Carolina game? Yeah, actually, he was the first out-of-state bookmaker that I had that accepted steam. A guy from Texas that wasn't afraid of anything. If you had the money to put up, he was go- he'll watch the game with you and pay you. Put it that way. So uh, <laughs> my kind of guy from the start. But uh, when you book for as long as he has, you just get a read for what's going to happen way before it does. 
And I mean, I talked to him when this when that line went up for UConn, and he said, "I'm going to tell you right now, the first 20 bets I book are going to come in on UConn." He calls me the next day and he says, "They already bet." already parlayed the cbi with uconn last night so the guy knows his stuff let's put it that way so what we're saying is our guess is if we had to figure which way that uconn line is going to tick it's going to tick um up we're thinking to four and a half yeah all the money's coming in on uconn uh, according to him and i mean he's got his hand in the caribbean that's where all the money goes so he knows where the money's falling, that's for sure. And I'm talking about public money and sharp money, being able to differentiate the two. Now, remember, um, if you want to get the actual raw data of how the bets are coming in, you can go to sportsbookspy.com, which is uh, a pregame.com product, and you actually see the number of bets coming in. Uh, now, Sportsbook Spy actually, and, and nowhere on the Internet, can you actually get the, the raw dollar amounts. So that's something where our connection with a, a true offshore bookie like Bookie Bill might help us. And we've been talking to him. I mean, you've been dialogue with him for at least a few months about trying to get him to come on pregame. I think from what you're telling me is uh, the idea of him having Twitter is something he'd find more appealing than, than having actual extended content. Uh, can you update us on that? I'm trying, man. Even last night we had that talk. And he, I'm supposed to fly out there actually after this tournament um, on him, of course, and to hang out a little bit. And I really want to bring him into this side of it. He's old. He's as old as they come. But, I mean, the guy's as into it as anyone you'll see has a passion for it. Like, you, I, this is what the guy was born to do. He comes from a long line of family of bookmakers. Father was a bookmaker. Granddaddy was a bookmaker. One of them Texas guys that bookmaking is in his blood. And I really... Because I took on this venture and I crossed the street and started sharing my information, I think he saw that, you know, yeah, this is a pretty good idea. There are people that the industry has changed, you know. Bookie Bill was not going to be do this in the 80s, put it that way. Well, the nice thing is there's there's a couple advantages to going, um, you know, like you said, being a content provider um, in general and, and pregame.com in particular is one is there is money to be made. If you have information – the people are are willing to buy just like any other um, product. It, there's money to be made. But number two is, and, and I think for Bill, from what you tell me, and I don't know Bill, but is it's a matter of having a platform. Is the idea that thousands of people are going to get a chance to hear his wisdom, especially as you get older. I think for or as, when you're younger, for a lot of people, that's very powerful. I know when I'm working on uh, a press release or something, the idea that it's going to be picked up by the national media makes that exhilarating. And the idea that posting at, let's say, pregame blogs is going to uh, have a huge audience or, or let's say a substantial audience is, is powerful too. And that's exactly what I'm trying to convince them now to start Twittering because, I mean, any sharp that bets, that's where the money always filters down to into the islands. And all the public money, more or less, eventually filters down there. So having someone that's there collecting all this information and for him not to share it, like I say, is just a waste. I mean, I love that he gives it to me, but I think there's a lot of other people out there that would definitely want to hear it and benefit from it. 
No doubt. And and you make a good point is that the estimates are less than 1% of the betting action actually happens in Nevada. So though this is a center for a lot of real professionals, it's a situation where the real money being bet, when you add it all up, is, is elsewhere. So real quick, and then we're going to jump to Marco. Uh, did Bill have any thoughts on the action so far in North Carolina, Villanova? His exact words? The public's going to continue to bet Villanova. They're going to continue to bet them up until game time. They're going to tease them up to double digits was his exact words. And then the, the sharpest of the sharps are going to walk in with their briefcases, he said, and blast North Carolina on the money line. That's what he's preparing for. Interesting, interesting. These guys are sharp as they come, man. He sees three steps ahead, and, and I could see that exact thing happening. And that's something, to be honest with you, before I came to Vegas, I never really thought about the parlay exposure, the, the teaser exposure, the futures exposure. But really, a, a side in total on a game, especially the side, is not a pure market. It, there's other considerations. And, and if you remember, when I for the Elite Eight, I kept Twittering this exact information. And I don't want to take credit. Actually, I saw it happening here. But Bill verified it. What I saw at the sports book may have been, you know, 20 people. He sees 200 at that amount of time. So it's a little bit more confirmed when I speak to him. But the bottom line was he was telling me, and I passed it along in the blogs, and I mean in Twitter and on pregame, that everyone in their mother was, te- was money line parlaying Louisville, North Carolina, teasing Louisville, North Carolina, all day. I knew that a $5,000 Moneyline Louisville, North Carolina parlay paid 3500 Exactly. That's how much I kept hearing it. And Bill said, if one of these teams do not lose straight up, he said, I will never bother you again. I don't know nothing. He said, one of these two teams, I don't know which one, but one goes down on the money line, Ace. <laughs> That's his words. And what happened? One went down on the money line. So, uh, Okay. So, Marco, what's your thoughts on the matchup? Well, one thing you got to consider here, and you know, it's good that they have a week to prepare uh, for the game. But Villanova coming off the pit game, that is a situation that you know you don't have happen in the tournament all the time, where you hook up for the third time against you know a conference foe, and that game's going to no matter who would have you know come out of the that game, Pitt or Villanova, I think it was going to take something out of them. And uh, that's one thing that concerns me about the Villanova side early on. You know, we got a few days to see how practices go and, you know, how they're playing. But, again, North Carolina, they haven't done anything wrong. You know, the way they dismantled a good Gonzaga team, um, you know, I can see the public, uh, you know, wanting to do uh, the teasers. This is a game that I think Vegas is going to get exposed both ways on the teaser. I think they're going to tease North Carolina down and tease Villanova up. Well, it's moving through, you know, key numbers. You tease it down, it feels like all North Carolina has to do is win. You tease it up, it feels like Villanova just has to keep it within double digits. Okay, so one of the things we talked about was the inside game, that the stadium and the sight lines are going to be disadvantageous for shooting. VR, with North Carolina Villanova, who has the advantages when it comes to inside game? Uh, Both of these teams love to run. They're going to, and that I think is going to be where Villanova has the disadvantage because they are a running team. And against North Carolina, you're not going to have too much success beating them in that kind of game. Um, 
looking at the shooting in the inside, I have to give the advantage to North Carolina because we know Villanova, although they do have a big man underneath, you know, and it's great to have a big guy underneath. They re- they prefer to play the four guard set, so they they're the team that I think depends more on outside shooting than North Carolina does. So I think the case also can be made that if you think about it, Vegas right now is not really ranking Villanova to be all that much better than Oklahoma, or all that much better than Gonzaga. Because if I'm not mistaken, the line was between seven and eight. In, in both of those games, and now it's the third game in a row. Right. There was seven and a half against Gonzaga and seven against Oklahoma. And, and you're right, RJ. Villanova, I mean, they beat American in UCLA, but that was in their backyard. And, yes, they dismantled UCLA, but the UCLA, that was like playing at 7 in the morning Western time. They That was the first game of the day that Saturday, I remember. Where you look at North Carolina, they beat LSU, Gonzaga, and Oklahoma in convincing fashion. So to me, they should be an overwhelming favorite in this game. That's why I'm saying I think it's a little low. Not that Villanova can't keep it within the number. They could absolutely keep it within the number. They beat Pitt and Duke and UCLA three straight games. So they could win this game. But as I'm saying, as someone who would be an odds maker, if I was bringing out this number, I myself would think that they would have brought it out a little higher but obviously they knew where the public's going to go, and they haven't been disappointed. The good thing that would come out of the Villanova game against Pitt is uh, I commented, and one of the reasons I did like Pitt is that Villanova hadn't been tested. All their games were blowouts, and how would they react in a close game, whereas you know, Pitt had played close games, and that's an advantage going in. Um, and Villanova had the lead almost that entire game, and Pitt kept battling back, battling back because they had been in that position. Now Villanova's had that experience. They had the lead, lost the lead, got tied late, and then was able to hold their composure and go for that last drive where they went the length of the court in five seconds. The key out of that is that they handled the pressure with their foul shots. Villanova hit 21 straight foul shots in that game in crucial situations. So that's huge. Which you could make the case that if they make an average percentage, they're down six or seven points late in the game. Right. Yeah, exactly. They hit like, what, 20 out of 23. So that's not going to happen every game. Okay, so I think the general consensus is it feels like Villanova might be slightly overrated, but really the linesmaker's not falling into it because they're saying his team's comparable to Oklahoma and comparable to Gonzaga. Now, just as a quick aside, Vegas, when you're talking about Villanova said, uh, you said that they played in their backyard. It reminds me uh, on ESPN uh, Vegas here, the local, there's a local commercial with uh, Bobby Bacala from the uh, <laughs> Sopranos, and he's talking about the new Butter Bings, and he says... This is Bobby Bacala. He goes, and you know Vegas is my backyard, baby. Yeah, so, have you heard that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's, a, <laughs> that's the, very interesting. The biggest difference before we let this game go, honestly, I think if you stop and look, is Carolina should advance. I'll say it here. They should get to the championship game. They're loaded with seniors and juniors that returned just to play in this championship game. So, I mean, you know, I think Villanova has to definitely play above their capabilities to advance. I really do. Okay, so let's talk about another factor, which is the injury with North Carolina. It seems like that it's not really affecting play too much. Uh, What's our take on that? I'm surprised because I I was of the opinion that Lawson was more hurt than he's shown, that he wasn't going to be in any game shape at all and that they were not going to have to depend on him to get as far as they have. 
that just isn't the case because if you look at what he's done the last few games, putting up 19 in his last game, you know, they and putting up 30, playing 36 or 40 minutes, they've depended on him a lot. He did the same 19 points against Gonzaga, 23 in that final game against LSU. So they are depending on him, and he is coming through. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm looking at it as he's ready to go. He's 100%. I'm not shading any points for his injury at all. Marco? Uh, quick point that I'm going to bring out on on the game. Uh, definitely, the injury is not a you know not affecting North Carolina's uh, Lawson, but Villanova is scoring points. As I said earlier, they're doing it not shooting the ball that well. They have not had a game in this tournament yet that they've shot fifty percent, and and they're still hitting the eighty mark in in upper seventies, where North Carolina's shooting the lights out of the ball. They, the last three games, they've shot 51, 52.9, and 54% from the floor. That's huge. And if, they're, if their shooting's off a little bit and Villanova takes it up another notch, that's going to equalize yeah, yeah, but that, that goes back to inside-outside game. Teams with an inside game are always going to have the higher shooting percentage. I mean, UConn breaks 50 every time, every game pretty much, but that's because... 75% of their baskets come from three feet away, where with Villanova, a 42-44% night is a good night. I mean, they did that against Duke, and they were pretty much shooting lights out compared to what Duke was doing, 26%. So I think you, you got to look a little deeper when it comes to field goal percentage in basketball, only because some of these inside teams, you're going to see 50% plus, and they'll be able to do that game in and game out. Now, what would be interesting is how does the Villanova shooting percentage in the tournament compared to their, their regular season percentage is, is are they down or are they right at average? Uh, looking back at like their last 11 games, they've only shot over 50% one time in the last 11 games. So it seems like to be the nature of their team. Yeah. And overall for the season, I got them, I think 45, 45 something they are for the year. So, okay. So, uh, exciting games. I'll be at the Bellagio watching and playing some cards, hopefully not having a bad day like Saturday. Um, consider though, as a closing thought is this is, uh, again, been a tournament there as much talk as there was about chalk, you know, chalk, 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 and how all the favorites are winning. This is the 20th out of 25 years. And that's the 25 years of the modern era of the tournament, the 20 of the 25 years. That only that either one or two number one seeds have advanced to the final four. So there's only been five years combined that there was zero, three, or four. And last year was the only time there was four, and there's never been zero. So pretty much almost every year, 80% of the years, it's one or two. So keep that in mind when you do your brackets. As much as the number ones always seem like the best team, that's why they're number one. It just doesn't work out that way. And again, we have two number ones in there. Okay, we're going to be heading to our third segment in which we give away our free picks. This is RJ Bell, founder of Pregame.com, here to tell you about Pregame Forms, the place where sports bettors talk. Hundreds of posters informing and entertaining 24 hours a day with free picks and deep insight. Good people to celebrate wins with and moan about losses. You can post or just sit back and take it all in. Over $10,000 a year is given away in cash and prizes. Go to pregame.com and click Forms or visit directly through pregameforms.com. 
where everyone gets back more than they give from the many others giving. And we are back, the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from pregame.com, special Final Four edition, segment three of three. Okay, this is the free pick segment. Every week we give you free picks, and we got some hot free pickers here, so good stuff. Now, typically we have a question of the week that's in the forums. We have a live, uh, a dedicated thread to that. Because we're focused so um, narrowly on the final four, we're going to skip the question of the week. That will return next week. And hopefully, and most likely, Stephen Nover, our MBA expert, is going to return next week. And um, we're also going to be doing a How to Handicap Baseball podcast very soon, either next week or the week after. Okay, so before we go to the free picks, Marco, why don't you tell us a little bit, if you want to get the premium picks, you go to pregamepros.com. These are the very best, best, best from our pros. Or you can go to pregame.com and click Pro Picks. And uh, what we do is we give a coupon here each week and we highlight who's really hot. So um, why don't you start with a coupon, Marco? Okay, well, you go to pregamepros.com, make your selections, and when you go to the checkout, you can put in, since it's Final Four weekend, just put in the number 4444. That's four fours, and that's going to get you $10 off free any pick this you make this weekend all week through monday we'll have it good through the championship game and rj we've got some really hot cappers at the site you want to tell us about it okay so you're saying i'm at the shopping cart it has a coupon code so i hit the number four then the four then the four and then one more then the four yeah all right well that's simple enough you want to talk about hot okay (gasps) the sports monitor is something which is a the leading monitor for professional handicappers who want to have their uh, records actually documented. And they have, I think it's over 100 different ones battling. And wouldn't you know, the number one handicapper is from pregame.com. And wouldn't you know, the number two handicapper is from pregame.com. We have the top two slots. We're very proud of that. Number one this week in the stats just came out, Kingmaker. Now let me tell you something. If you haven't read the Kingmaker's analysis, he is really one of a kind. He has a ton of free stuff up at pregame.com in the form section. And he breaks down a game at the matchup level, and uh, it's really unique. In March Madness, 82% winners, 82% winners, amazing. Now, number two, Stan Sharp. Stan Sharp is a guy who doesn't participate much on the forums. He's a professional batter here in Vegas. But he is unique in that he releases one best bet a day. doesn't matter if it's 200 games on a day. You're going to get one best bet from him. And this year in March Madness, 81%. So it's going to be interesting to see these two, Kingmaker and Stan Sharp, battle it out for the championship. And no one else is even in the ballpark. So it's kind of, a, it's kind of like the Big East uh, in the Sweet 16. There was five of those teams, right? So we have a two out of two when it comes to documented champions. Interestingly, Stan's had he had a bad run at some point in the year, and uh, and and it was funny because he had hit like fifty seven percent over like a year and a half, and then he lost for like six weeks, and it was a big discussion on the forums. I thought it was very instructive the way that we all learned that these streaks happen, and then Stan has you know clearly gotten super hot. But even on the season, he's over sixty percent for the NBA, and that's for the entire season. So after March Madness, Stan's someone to give a good look to too. I think. And two years ago, RJ uh, Stan Sharp was the number one NBA playoff handicapper at the Sports Monitor. 
Unbelievable. So uh, we got some solid guys here. And again, if you like to buy picks, great. If you don't, there's a ton of free stuff too. Okay, speaking of free picks, we got Vegas Runner, seven of eight winners, undefeated on his fights, UFC and boxing. And uh, that's kind of become his pet way uh, free picks here. Maybe we'll get one this week. Actually, yes. I'm going to give a fight uh, pick again this week. We've been hot. And uh, coming from Philly, it was going to be a boxing one, but the boxing matchup that I'm looking to bet is Saturday between Kendall Holt, um, and that that one should be a real good one. But what I'm going to do for the free pick is I'm going to give the UFC this week because the UFC is putting on an event that's on free on Spike. Everybody could watch it, and what better way to watch something for free and have action on it? And uh, the fight that we're going to play is Cole Miller versus Junie Browning. Everyone knows Junie Browning from the tough show. He was the wise guy. He was the pretty much ran the whole show. Everybody loved him because he was the guy you wanted to see lose. Well, you're going to get your chance when they meet this week. Uh, Cole Miller, minus 130. I love him. Six foot one, 14 and three. And the kid's as technical as they come. Black belt jujitsu. Great stand up. Where Junie Browning on the other side, he's known for his athleticism and his toughness. He's more of that street fighter. He's only fought four professional fights. He's three and one. But I really think they've put him up against an opponent who's just way at a different level. And my true line for this fight is closer to 170. So I think it's a huge overlay of only laying 130 on Cole Miller. I look at him to end this one in a submission when he takes it down on the ground. So Lay Cole Miller, minus 130. Get to watch it. UFC fight night this week. Uh, I think we could win another one. Okay, now remember, if you're out or you're out or out, don't do UFC or they don't do boxing, you can go to pregameaction.com and see all the best deals from the most trusted sports books. So not only can you have more outs, but you also get um, bonuses. And actually, pregame action gives you a double bonus, which is the only place on the internet that does that. Okay, now Marco, he's really trailing when it comes to free picks. He's won five out of seven. And around here, that that's... Um, square. It's square. I mean, it's okay. It's but let's square. see let's see if he can pick it up. Marco. Wow. <laughs> five and two. That's 71%, isn't it? We almost didn't get invited oh, geez, this you, week. You had to figure that one out about a week ago, I'm guessing. <laughs> On his way here. Okay, well, you know, I'm always the butt of the jokes. And, and, you know, today I came prepared. I've got a free pick. But before I get well, to the, the free... The thing is, Mark, we all lash out against our father figures. That's just Freudian, so... Okay. <laughs> well, you're going to be grounded, son. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we got these two macho guys in Las Vegas here. I want to share a little bit with our listeners here quick. We got Vegas Runner, the macho guy, the guy that runs up and down the Las Vegas Strip, moving money all over town. And last week when he was here in the office, I found the secret to Vegas runner's success. He came to the office. Don't his, tell him. His wife Don't packed him. him a little treat while he was doing his handicapping. I saw it with my own eyes. I had to shake my head, take my glasses off, but I brought them with him in case she forgot to bring it to you this week. Yes, here is a little box of animal crackers from I Vegas love you, runner. Man. Yes, with the little string on the it. Good kind, the, the good, good kind. The good kind, yes. That is the key to Damn. Vegas runners handicapping is animal crackers. Damn. He has them while he's doing his capping in the office. I love so, you, man. You're the best, Marco. 
I did eat some this morning, so I'm ready with this free pick. Well, remember, a couple weeks ago, we put up all of Vegas Runner's tickets from a few years ago. He found in an old envelope he had in his attache, and it had all his big uh, you know, $1,000 bets. Maybe, And we put that picture up on the forums. Maybe we need to put a picture of his animal crackers up on the forums just, just to kind of experience the life of Vegas Runner. Every day I have at least two boxes. We, we, we can get that done. We'll have that up with the podcast. But let's go for to our play, and we're going to go to Friday night. And there's a big game in the NBA Friday night, and that's Cleveland and Orlando. And everybody's going to be on Orlando in this game because Cleveland played the night before on TNT. Well, let me tell you, we're going to have the line value, and we're going to go with Cleveland. I'm not going to worry that they played the night before. They're going to sleepwalk through Washington. They can close their eyes and beat Washington. They're coming to play LeBron James is on another level this year. He wants the championship. This is a key game for home court down the stretch. We're in the final couple weeks of the NBA. I am going to take the Cavaliers Friday night against Orlando. Take them. They win this game. I have them winning the game by 7 to 10 points on Friday night, and that is my free pick, the Cleveland Cavaliers, on Friday over Orlando. Okay, excellent, excellent. Okay, uh, speaking of the Cavs, um, you know, one of the things I do with my free picks um, is I focus on general trends and say, okay, there's a certain team that we should look to play on. And one of the teams I was looking to play on the whole second half was the Cavs. I had heard from some people that really understand the NBA that the LeBron was on a mission, and I think we're seeing that now. And uh, trying to have the best – remember, Cleveland's motivated to have the best record in the NBA – in case they meet the Lakers in the finals, which is another positive motivationally, I think, for uh, for the Friday game. I'm going to talk about another NBA team. I want to look to play on the Houston Rockets the rest of the regular season and in their first-round playoff matchup most likely, and we'll, we'll talk about that at the time. But from what I hear, this is a team trending up, that that that, that they've got an innovative uh, front office, and they've really thought about this kind of that Billy Bean money ball sort of way w- the Oakland A's do. And uh, I feel very positive about Houston. I think this team's primed to overperform, and that's going to be my freebie tip for today. Okay, great Final Four edition. Next week, remember, baseball starts. So we're going to be talking baseball. We're going to be talking NBA playoffs. Exciting time in the spring. A lot of people slow down, but there's a lot of money to be made. And remember, you can hear all the podcasts at pregamepodcast.com. And this has been the Sports Betting Preview Show. Each week we talk about upcoming games and teach you how to handicap any game. See you next week.